0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Motivate Korean podcast. My name is Ian, and I'm here today with Matthew, whom you may know from videos on the Motivate Korean YouTube channel, from the Motivate Korean Sathotibang on Facebook, or his own YouTube channel over at Korean Source. Link in the description. In this episode, we're going to introduce you to Matthew and have a little discussion about reading and reading strategies that will help you gain a more comprehensive understanding of Korean from the ground up. I just want to say thank you for having me into the studio today. I I really, I really love what you've done with the place, I gotta say.
1: Honored to have you here.
0: We're in the living room. We we, 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 we gotta be honest with you guys. We're we're in his living room. Uh this is the first episode of the of the Motivate Korean podcast that we're recording with all of the uh, participants in the same place. We've been uh, recording these remotely. You know, I'm located here in Korea. Um, Jeremy is located in the United States, and so is Kevin, but uh, my buddy Matthew here lives uh, just across the river from me over here in the lovely city of Kime. So, Matthew, I, our lovely listeners um, may not be familiar with you and your extensive library of uh, excellent work in the Korean language. So why don't you uh, let us know a little bit about yourself? Where are you from?
1: Well, I'm from Canada, uh, living, as you said just now, living in Kime right now, right next to Busan.
0: All right. So tell us a little bit about your uh, language learning background. Where, have you studied uh, languages for a long time or is this a, new, uh, a newer trend for you in your life?
1: Well, I started with French immersion in school in elementary school when I was, I guess, four or five years old. So I've always had languages in my life, but I guess the first, um, the first language I really learned seriously and consciously, I would say, like as, a, as an adult was, uh, was Korean.
0: So how did you land on Korean? I mean, being from Canada, work going to a, a French immersion program, you know, earlier in your life, how did you end up on the Korean language?
1: It happened just kind of completely out of the blue. I didn't really pick it. I always tell people that it feels, it feels like Korean chose me more than <laughs> I chose it.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people have a story like that. Like if, if you, if our listeners have listened to the first or second episode of our podcast, we talk about how we ended up uh, studying Korean. And a lot of it was kind of like, accidental serendipitous maybe in a way yeah we just kind of ended up doing it and it's like well this is this is just what i'm doing now you stuck know stuck with it so you want to tell us a little bit about your work cuz you have a pretty cool job i think a lot of people would be interested in uh, in hearing about that
1: yeah sure well i've been working now as a korean english translator for almost 6 years going on 6 years
0: so what does that mean translator cuz i think a lot of people might be confused about specifically what that means and the differences between that and interpretation.
1: Yeah, I get that a lot. People, if I tell them I'm a translator, they'll, you know, ask me questions as if I'm an interpreter. Like, so, <laughs> oh, you go to like business meetings and you're talking. It's like, no, no, that's a, <laughs> that's interpreting. Right. So I usually, um, well, I, yeah, so I'm a translator. So I work with uh, text. So a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, a lot of reading, um, usually going from Korean into English, sometimes the other way around, sometimes French and English as well. Also my computer is my office so I actually work at home which is very convenient and it's been really handy over the years as my wife and I we've gone back and forth between Canada and uh, each time there's no interruption at all so it's nice to have a job where you know I'm not like tied down to a certain place
0: Yeah it's great I mean, I think uh I think we've probably done enough to make all of our listeners uh a jealous of your <laughs> your situation you've got a really cool job um you know improving and using your Korean is how you make your living and you can do it anywhere. I mean, that's a dream, man. You're living the dream. So what did you want to share with us today? Cause you know, we, we like to do these introduction podcasts where we talk a little bit about who we are, but then, you know, talk a little bit about what's important to us. So you want to tell us a little bit about what's your, you know, thing you want to share with us? Sure. Um,
1: well, I guess my big thing, the thing that often attracts me to languages is, is reading not exclusively, but that is a big part of while I'll choose languages. Korean was the exception, as I said, because Korean kind of chose me. But any other languages I've learned, it's usually because of reading. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let me ask you all a question. When you think back on your native language and how you learned it, how much was reading a part of that process? And how much reading have you done to
0: become the speaker that you, did, that you are today? Probably a lot. I mean, if I think back even on like early childhood education, I mean, to guess it's probably thousands of books that I've gone from start personally I've gone from start to finish from the time that I could read until you know the end of compulsory education at least
1: yeah so when you think back on that you've clearly been exposed to an enormous amount of vocabulary um, it's probably helped your grammar as well um, it's helped you to express yourself maybe in a more clear way and that's just with your native language alone right so when we think about when we're learning a foreign language what are some of the benefits of reading? Well, it's it's basically the same way that we kind of shaped our personality, our vocabulary, our way of speaking in our native language, except we're just applying that to the foreign language, has all of the same benefits. But yeah, well, I th- I think of reading as kind of like it's the um it puts words to the actions
0: that fill in the dialogue of life. That's sort of how I think about it. I see what you mean. So I think this this really um reading is the best way to. Learn how the language describes actions that are generally something that are only visual cues and audio cues and scent cues and things like that. Is that that what you're saying? Yeah, and there's also another component
1: to it where you're learning, even in your native language, you're learning better how to describe what's going on in your own inner world. So emotionally, how to put certain words to certain feelings, how to express like what what exactly are you feeling or what is that other person feeling in a certain situation. It gives
0: you a kind of a a linguistic nuance. I can say from personal experience too, uh, with reading specifically, uh, Korean has a whole wide array of certain types of words that we don't really have in English, at least functionally, called 을성어 and 을태어, right? I think reading is probably the only way you can actually learn those. Would you want to talk a little bit about that? Tell us a little bit about how those work. Yeah,
1: sure. Those are a very big part of Korean. And um One of the best ways to learn them, I would say, is reading. It doesn't have to be necessarily text only books. But for instance, if you're using something like webtoons, let's say, um, you have that visual component. So you get the text with a picture and you can see, for instance, there's a difference between if someone's walking like Tobok, Tobok, or Songkum, Songkum.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So Tobok,
1: Tobok is more like kind of plodding along. It's like a heavy Tobok, Tobok. Mm -hmm. And then Songkum, Songkum is like a stride. They're taking these big steps.
0: Can we have a little chat about just Briefly, what is a webtoon? I, I, that's not really a normal word in English. I think that's a Konglish word that they've made up. So what is a webtoon?
1: Webtoon is just a web cartoon, basically. So it's like a digitized form of a comic. And yeah. thankfully, there are a lot that are freely available online, not just Naver, which is probably the most well-known one, but like Taum has their own webtoons. Um, there are lots of sites that provide them very often for free. Um, with ads. With ads, Yeah. Like everything, I guess nowadays, it's yeah, <laughs> free but with some strings attached. <laughs> right. And that's also what makes webtoons a really great way of getting into language. Um, I've part of my job as a translator has actually been translating for uh, Naver webtoons or Line webtoons for the last six years. And it's funny how many of these little words, these ulisongol, <inaudible> that you pick up just from doing that, and you they really get kind of burned into your brain because you start associating them so strongly. Like you see this certain word. And you just immediately can conjure up the image of that situation. So I would say that if someone is just getting started with Korean, even if they're a complete beginner, there are still some webtoons where you can kind of get into that. Obviously it's more effective if you're maybe a upper beginner or higher level than that, but uh, really, I think you can start using webtoons at pretty much any point, even if it's just for the sound words, because you can just kind of flip through them if you literally don't know any other words in the whole story the dialogue or anything you can at least flip through and just look at the sound words that are popping up in each frame and that in itself is also kind of a learning experience because i can say from my experience translating almost all of them are used and they're useful and koreans will use them when they're telling stories and things describing very subtle actions that in english we might not even use a word for which also poses translation challenges because sometimes there's a word they're describing a certain thing like a movement like a door opening or just you know there's a very subtle thing that we might not necessarily even put a sound for that in English or a feeling that's yeah more often it's actually like a sensation or the the texture on something there will be a word that's like describing that texture except it's not like an adjective it's just one of these (laughs) that's just kind of there and it's a Korean one understand it's describing that texture it could be sharp it could be smooth, it could be bumpy, but there's a word there, and it feels a bit awkward just to write bumpy in English. Yeah, yeah.
0: So for people who are traveling to and from Korea, or really anywhere in the world, keeping your personal and financial information safe is extremely important. We all know that. Here in Korea, there's an expectation of free Wi-Fi just about everywhere, and scammers can prey on that expectation pretty easily with, you know, fake Wi-Fi network names and stuff that you connect to thinking it's public and and it turns out that it's not. And they can steal your information by putting key loggers on your system and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So that is why we use NordVPN wherever we are. It protects you, your personal and your financial information, as well as your internet devices, like I said, no matter where you are. Uh, VPNs are pretty much a basic necessity for expats living in Korea. They're the only way you can access certain banking and government services back home while you're in Korea. So um, if you use our coupon code, MOKO, M-O-K-O, at NordVPN.com slash MOKO, you can get 70% off a three-year plan plus an extra month free. So that brings the price down to like $3.49 a month. Part of that will also go towards helping us expand this channel and provide you with more content just like this. Thanks again to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode of the Motivate Korean podcast. So, if we're reading Webtoons and we're ready to move into like print books or something a little more dense, um, where do you think we should start? What kind of how, how, do, you, how do you go about picking a book? Do, we, do you go for content first or do you, should you just reach out to people for recommendations? What do you think?
1: Ideally, if you have someone who can recommend a book, that would be a good place to start. And even more ideal, if you have a certain area that you're interested in and you know someone who knows about that area, like say you're interested in economics. Ideally, you have a Korean friend who maybe you could ask for some recommendations for books on economics. But if not, I would just say go to a, a library, a bookstore, or just browse online. You can, reading is a, obviously a very broad, broad term. It doesn't necessarily just mean books. So reading, you could start, if you're not in Korea, let's say right now, you could also just start, just go online, try to start reading maybe um, blogs. Yeah, a blog is a good place to start. Yeah, fantastic thing to read. Like sites like um, where they just, it's just basically people asking questions, getting answers from other native speakers, of course, like Mm Q&A. You know, use those a lot too um, when I'm learning any language, really. They're just tremendously helpful. And sometimes people worry too that... Just like well, you'll notice, too, when you look at English forums and things, the, the writing is not always as uh, grammatically correct, perhaps, as it might, it might ideally be for a learner. So they might say, won't I be picking up incorrect grammar or poor writing? But, you know, it's funny, even that is part of the language learning experience, because not everyone is going to speak as perfectly as in that textbook that you might be using. And it's funny, I've found even as a translator, there have been times when I've had to translate something that was very clearly written by a native speaker who's not terribly well-read or who does not have great writing skills, but I'm, I'm used to good and bad writing at this point. So it wasn't a problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's good and bad writing, right? Like content wise and organizationally. And then there's also just different styles, like literally style, not just your personal style, but the, the, the methodology through which you write like MLA or whatever, in which Koreans, for example, on the internet, will spell things more the way they're pronounced or they'll spell things incorrectly to show a certain kind of image of themselves, Like they want to look like they're cute or innocent or, or sweet or something. And they'll spell things using more simple, so it looks like a different word, you know? Like you'll, and you'll, you like, for example, someone using like the tana na het ta form online, they might just write like het-ta-na, not the actual spelling you know and so you'll you'll see all kinds of stuff like that that you need to learn how to pick apart and maybe even use yourself because this is i I've, I've heard before that native speakers can't make mistakes even if they do something that's grammatically incorrect uh, with regards to like the agreed upon grammar of the language by some institute or the government of a country or whatever since they process the world through their native speaking brain whatever they do is technically accurate usage of the language So you need to learn how all those people think and hear and see and Tobak, Tobak and all that too, you know?
1: Yeah. So another advantage of reading, I would say, this is probably one of the main advantages actually, is that it gives you a kind of snapshot of the language that lets you see in detail and in what's going on on a deeper level. And it's great too, especially if you can find things where the writing is very natural, the dialogue and everything is natural because it's basically like people are just talking, but it's all written down for you. So really any kind of written format where it's it's natural but it's written it's in a text form is really ideal because you can see you can see details that are just passing by too quickly when you're listening to catch and I've I'm sure all of us have experienced times where we've read something we've seen something in text we notice a little nuance that we hadn't heard before and then next time we talk to someone we start noticing people using this thing all the time it could be an ending it could be a word an expression but that's really one of the huge advantages of reading is just that ability to really stop things. It's like putting a movie on pause because you can't really pause someone in real life. I guess you Not could. Not yet. If
0: you really wanted to, I guess you could find a way. But
1: yeah, or just be like, you'd be stopping them every like two seconds. Sorry, what did you say just now? But the yeah. problem with that too is that, you know, often when, when you stop someone and you say, what did you say just now? They might then rephrase what they just said. They might simplify it which happens very often. And, you know, often people, of course, not being language learners themselves, they don't know that you want exactly what they just said. Like, can you repeat word for word, exactly what you just said? They probably won't do that. They're gonna change it a bit. So already that moment is gone, it's lost. Whatever they just said, it's passed. So reading is a great way to, to really capture what's going on in that moment, slow it down. You can take an hour on one sentence if you want. Like there is no time pressure. And to really just get into the details of what they're saying, how they're using the language.
0: I think, too, when it comes to like usefulness, um, there's some misconceptions that a lot of people get because they get these these like they get these one size fits all pieces of advice from, uh, you know, teachers online and stuff like that. And it's hard to communicate this stuff outside of the podcast format, I think, because there's not a lot of long form discussion about any of this stuff, at least that gets recorded. You know, I think this happens between language learners who sit down like Matthew and I. we sit down and talk about this stuff sometimes when we're just you know having food or whatever one of the one of the big misconceptions that I hear from a lot of people is that you shouldn't read children's books, and the it's not necessarily uh, like I said, a one size fits all truth. Um, it's not going to teach you functional words necessarily uh, for people who are just trying to figure out how to start using korean but what it is going to do is going to is give you more context for how korean people use language to describe their experience so from the beginning using children's books to because they're quote easy um yes the truth is that they're not really going to be that helpful to you but they are still a necessary bit of media that you need to consume as a language learner, because all native Korean speakers consumed this media. So they have this basic uh, cultural context that they all share because they've heard in context of a, you know, a child stomping away, right? They hear these, they, they know these words from seeing them when they were younger and they've retained that vocabulary. Whereas an adult may not run into that word in adult media. You'll just see it in a random Place that you're not necessarily sure what they're talking about so that lack of context uh in adult media is a hindrance to learning a lot of these baseline like foundational things that you need to have you know stored deeper back on a on a shelf in the library that maybe people don't go to very often these are like the once a once a year words
1: yeah so that's one of the reasons that some people might avoid reading is because they feel that The words in the in books or in news or whatever it may be are not useful or they don't hear them but it's funny how often actually like you might learn a word from a book let's say and it might not seem like a very useful word but like then you'll start hearing it all the time you'll people will say it to you you'll see it in advertisements it's happened so many times and for me that's just kind of really over the years has just confirmed over and over again the usefulness is that even if not all but Maybe some of these words that you might encounter in books, they might not actually be used every day. But as you just touched on a minute ago, native speakers will know these words. And just like in English, if we want to just kind of make a joke about something really random, we can kind of recall that very specific word for something and just pop it in there. It might be only one of a couple of times in our life that we use that word, but it's there, like it's in the back of our mind and it's ready to be used when we need it. So if we're really going for fluency in Korean, if we really want to be able to express ourselves as accurately and as clearly as possible, I think that really that's what reading fills in, as all these details that you might not encounter, even if you talk to a lot of people in Korean on a daily basis, you might not necessarily encounter these words, but they could come up. And it will be that like one time when it comes up where you'll wish, oh shoot, I wish I knew what that word meant, right? So for example, a while back, a few months ago, I was um, reading something online with my wife And we were just flipping through the comments. It was some kind of like a political article. And one of the first comments was this word, which is, I had never seen the word before, but my wife instantly burst out laughing when she saw it. And my wife, of course, being a native speaker, she knew immediately what it was. And so she explained it to me that it's, it was basically this kind of form of a slow, torturous death in the Tuosan dynasty. And it was, um, one of the worst punishments you can undergo. But so basically what this person was saying, and that's all they wrote in the comment was just, you know, <laughs> and they were describing this politician's like really just, you know, laborious, slow way of getting things done. And it's like a slow, painful death to watch this guy try to do his job. And so it was one of those situations where even though I'm pretty well read in Korean, I hadn't seen the word either. And so it was, I guess, a reminder of once again, the, the importance of these these words that you might not see Every day, but it made the difference in that case where my wife immediately laughed. Being a native speaker, she knew what it meant. She's probably only seen that word maybe once or twice in her life, but it's in there. It's in that library that we keep referring to. And when she needed it, or when it was used, it she was ready to understand it. So I guess that's really like coming back to what you're saying about filling in the cracks. That was a crack. Like for me, that word was a crack that I had not filled in. Now, if I see the word I'm in on the joke, I get it. I can laugh, but it's, it's just a constant process of filling in those little cracks. Because like we were saying before, when we think about our native language, ever since we were kids, we've been exposed to so many materials, so much content, all these little details, these little references, cultural things, historical things that we take for granted. And when we're learning this new language, we're basically now building a kind of an alter ego in that new language. And along with that comes all these different references to things, these cultural things. Um, When people make jokes, maybe they could be referring back to like this, this kid's series that was popular when they were a kid and like only Korean kids who were like, you know, around in the 90s, let's say, they might get that. But that's part of the language. That is part of their identity. And so they could just reference that series or whatever it is just on the spot. And they would expect a Korean from their generation to get it. And so I guess reading is another way to kind of to be in on, on the joke or to be in on kind of what people are talking about in those situations.
0: Yeah. So let's I think we've made a good argument for reading. If you disagree with us or if you uh, have any um, counter arguments about whether or not reading is effective or useful, please email them to uh, podcast at motivatekorean.com And we'll uh, we will see you in court, um, <laughs> the court of the court of, of Korean. So to summarize,
1: when you're thinking about reading in a foreign language, really treat it essentially the same way as you would treat reading in your native language, think back on your experiences, how much you've read in your native language and how much it's helped you to express yourself, how much it's given you a boost to your vocabulary. Some of the main advantages of reading that we talked about today were, for instance, being able to kind of put language on pause and to really look at what's going on at a more detailed level as well as how to get into reading. So that's really the thing that a lot of people get stuck on is how to get started. As I said, don't think too much about what your first book is going to be or what your first webtoon is. I would say just jump in, try different things, a lot of different things. Even if you only read one line from a book, it could be one frame from a webtoon, you will still probably learn at least one word. And that's okay. That can be your takeaway from that book for now if it's too hard. So I would just say really just dive in. Don't be afraid to try any book. And I mean, I'm talking any book, just don't be ever be afraid to pick up anything and at least give it a try because you'll often surprise yourself. You'll be able to understand more than you think if you just keep doing that.
0: So we hope you've enjoyed this little introduction to our probably series on uh, reading, because um, this is definitely something worth unpacking uh, in in long form discussion and really talking about. Um, if you have any questions about any of this or have, have any ideas, please feel free to contact us at podcast at motivatekorean.com. Uh, I will personally read those emails and uh, see what I can, see what we can do. Maybe make an episode answering some of your questions uh, or or run with some of those topics. You can always uh, check out our YouTube channel if you're not watching this on the YouTube channel right now at Motivate Korean. Uh, you can also uh, hear us on uh, any podcasting platform at many major platforms, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. Check out our website at motivatekorean.com and uh i just want to take all take a moment for all of us to say thank you to matthew for uh coming on and hanging out with us today thank you for having me absolutely (laughs) all right so um we hope this has been helpful for you we're looking forward to uh talking about these things and getting them all on the record as uh as best as we can going forward and uh we'll talk to you again real soon bye bye see you soon